guys, welcome back to Keeping It OD Podcast and happy Monday. I'm so glad you chose to tune into this week's episode because we're going to be talking all about applications today. So we'll be discussing all the different sections in the OptomCast, how to submit it, primary and secondary applications, and just a little tips and tricks on how to maximize your chances of receiving an interview and ultimately a seat in your dream optometry school. So if you want to learn more about it, stay tuned, and I'll promise to cover all the questions you guys had. So first things first, I'm just going to go ahead and briefly go over what OptumCast is and what you need to have before you start your application. So OptumCast is essentially just a common platform where you input all your information, your personal information, academic history, any extracurriculars, your letters, and you also apply to all the schools from that one platform. So this is what it's called your primary application. So what does that entail exactly? I'm going to go over that in just a minute here. So in the first section of your OptomCast, it's called a personal information section. So in that, you just have to sign basically a release statement saying that you um, agree to send all of your information to the schools you're applying to. Basically, if you don't agree to that, they really can't send your application because you um, didn't sign that release statement. So that's just basically what it is. And then you just put your um, personal information, so your mailing address, your first and last name, um, contact information, citizenship information. Um, You put your race and ethnicity. And then for other options, you can also put like your phone number, preferred mailing address, um, just things like that. So that's just the first section. It's called personal information. And then the second section is actually one that's really important. It's called the academic history section. So for that, you have to enter in your um, colleges that you attended. Even if you did um, dual enrollment, you do have to include that as well. And you put your uh, you enter in your transcript and you do have to do that manually, even though you send it to um, OptomCast. But you do have to enter it in manually. I believe they do have an option where they can um, automatically do it for you. It's just an additional fee. Um, But it's pretty easy to do. Um, You just go in, type in the course code, where you took it, when you took it, and the grade you got. And you keep doing that until you um, add all your courses. And then the last section in this, the last subsection in this section is standardized tests. So if you've already taken the OAT, you just put the date you took it and the score you got. But if you have a planned OAT date, that's not a problem. You, again, put in that you plan to take it on this date and then the score is pending. So now we move on to the third um, section here in supporting information. And it has three subsections. So the first one is the letters of recommendation. And you can add up to four. Now, the um, requirements for that are going to vary depending on the schools that you're wanting to apply to. So I recommend um, double checking that and making sure that you meet the requirements for the schools that you're applying to. But OptomCast gives you a cap of four letters. Um, Most schools only require two, but you can add as many letters as you can get. There's nothing wrong with that. I think for letters, the more the merrier, especially if um, they're really supportive and they speak a lot about your character. And then the second subsection is experiences. So that's where you're going to put in your leadership roles um, on campus or um, employment opportunities, 
volunteering, shadowing, all of that. And then the third subsection, it's kind of an optional one. You can choose to leave that um, completely empty, um, and that is achievements. So if you um, were a recipient of a scholarship or you um, were inducted into, let's say, um, Key Club or anything like that, um, you can add that in there. But again, not necessary. I left mine blank, and that didn't really affect my chances of getting in at all. So the last and final section here is program materials. So this is where you're gonna search up the schools that you're wanting to apply to, and they're gonna have their specific requirements. So for most schools, it's just gonna have an overview about the school, and then it's gonna have the essay question or the personal statement. You can refer to the previous episode on how to formulate that, but basically it's just, um, a short essay um, consisting of 4,500 characters where you describe, you know, why you chose to become an optometrist, the passion, how you trained for it, um, basically your story. Um, so that's where you would put in there. And then some other um, schools will have additional requirements where you would have to actually match your prereqs or answer program specific questions as to why you chose that program specifically. So again, that's going to vary on the programs that you choose to apply to. Okay, so now that you're somewhat familiar with what OptomCast might look like on the day that the application cycle opens, I'm gonna go ahead and give you just kind of the rundown of what the whole process might look like. So you usually apply the summer before you're wanting to start. So if you want to start in 2021, you usually apply June 30th of 2020 and so on and so forth. You know, if you want to start in 2022, you applied in 2021. But here's a little piece of advice or kind of a trick that I didn't really know it was a trick, um, but I tried it and it 100% works and it saves you a lot of time and hassle if you kind of plan ahead. So what is that, you might ask? I'll let you know. So usually the... Um, previous cycle. So for me, for instance, the 2020 cycle, they extended it until I wanted to say end of May, maybe first week of June. So what I ended up doing is that I created an OptumCast account, email and password and everything, and I started filling out my information. You know, I didn't add anything in the program materials section um, just because, you know, I knew I wasn't applying to the 2020 cycle. I just created an account just to see what it was, and I completed all three sections. So um, you can do your employment, your academic information, your transcript entry, um, your uh, mailing address, your phone number, citizenship, race, ethnicity, all of that fun stuff. The only two things that you don't want to do with this trick is letters of recommendation and program materials. So here's what happened. So I filled in my information on my account, but it was intended for the 2020 application cycle. Now, when that ended and it was time for the 2021 cycle to open up, they prompted me if I wanted to merge or transfer over that material and that information that I included on the previous application cycle. So let me reiterate this. So I did not actually apply in the 2020 cycle. I just went ahead and created an account. 
And I filled in as much information at, like that I had at the time. So I obviously didn't do letters of recommendation or program materials because by that point, I still didn't have any letters and I hadn't taken the OAT yet. So, you know, that obviously um, changed what schools I ended up applying to. But this saves you a lot of time because transcript entry takes a long time. And, you know, adding in your information and your address and all of that, like, it'll probably take you maybe a day, but this will allow you to go straight into letters of recommendation, program materials on June 30th, once your real application cycle opens. So on June 30th, I uh, went back on OptomCast and they were like, okay, do you want to go ahead and transfer over your information that you included on the um, 2020 application cycle. And I was like, yeah, I did not know this was a trick. I just basically did the 2020 application just to kind of see and how it looks and just kind of get more comfortable with the platform. But this ended up saving me a ton of time because I had my OET scheduled for two weeks after the application cycle opened and I didn't want to waste time, you know, um, adding all the bullshit, you know, transcript stuff in there. So, you know, this is something that you might want to do. It'll save you a little bit of time and, you know, maybe will help you kind of, again, get acclimated with the OptumCast platform. And so that on June 30th or whenever your application cycle opens, you can um, go straight to business. So that's just my little piece of advice. Now let's talk about the supporting documents or things that you will need to submit to OptomCast in order for your application to go through. So the first and most important thing is that you need to contact your admissions office or college registrar and have a official transcript sent to OptomCast. So there's gonna be a code um, that you give to the school, and then they send it to OptomCast. You do not send your transcripts to individual optometry schools. You send everything to OptomCast, including your letters of recommendation. So for transcripts, I, again, recommend that you do that as soon as possible. So right when it opens, go into academic history and you request um, that transcript from your college to be sent over to OptomCast because I think it took, I wanted to say two weeks um, for them to get it, verify it, and add it to my um, application. So the sooner you get that, the better. Again, it's literally super simple. You just contact them and be like, hey, I want to send my transcript. Usually there's a small fee associated with it. Mine were usually five to six dollars. So really inexpensive. So that's the first thing that you need to send to OptumCast. The second thing um, is a lot easier, but it requires planning ahead. So you remember when we said, you know, to make sure to have good connections with professors, and if you work for an optometrist, you know, that you let them know that you're interested in applying to optometry school and that you might ask them for a letter of recommendation later. Because this is the time, you know, you need to have already had those conversations with um, people who you want to um, write you letters and who you know are going to write you good, compelling letters. Because I think there's nothing worse 
than having a letter of recommendation that doesn't speak volumes about you. You know, if it's just very neutral, lukewarm, you know, yeah, like so-and-so is great. Um, they asked me for a letter of recommendation, so I'm writing one. This one, if a reviewer is reading that, they didn't really get to know about your character. So this is how to make sure that by the time you're requesting a letter of recommendation, the person who's writing it already knows your qualities, they've worked with you or you were a student to them, and they know your work ethic, they know your motives, and then they know your personality very well. Um, because again, it could really hurt you if it's a bad letter. Because that brings me to my next point, you do not see it. So you go to the third section of the Optum cast, which is the supporting documentations, and you click on the, um, oh my gosh, blank, <laughs> letters of recommendation subsection. I'm sorry, guys. So you click on that and you have to, add, you can add up to four. So all you do is put their name, last name, occupation, and their email address. And OptomCast basically sends them a link to a Dropbox where they'll upload your letter. So you never actually get to see it and they just automatically send it to OptomCast. And this is just kind of a formality so that they know that whoever's writing this letter doesn't feel obligated to say something or to fake hours or whatever. They want to make sure it's very honest and transparent because, you know, more often than not, like a lot of people, you know, will want to see the letter. And if the recommender says something bad, you won't want that, you know, attached to your application. So, but if you have worked with the uh, person or you've been a good student, then you should be okay with the letter that they're writing you because if they agree to it, like it takes time to write a letter of recommendation. You know, they don't have to. It's not an obligation to them. You know, it's not part of their um, job description. They really are not obligated to do it. But if they feel compelled enough, you know, with your work ethic and how you performed in their course or how you work in the clinic, they would love to write you a letter of recommendation. So these are the two things, you know, transcripts, letters of recommendation. Get on those as soon as you can. Um, another thing that I wanted to mention is that if you know that, let's say, your dream school is UC Berkeley and you've shadowed or worked with a doctor that is an alum from there, getting a letter of recommendation from them will be crucial. And I'm not just saying, you know, only from that school, but if that's the school that you really want to go to, I would recommend finding someone who went there that could say one or two things about you. Um, and the reason why I say that because connections are very, very important and crucial in this field. So when they um, see that you're an applicant and that you've been recommended by an alum from their school, they know because that person went through their program and they're now a practicing optometrist. So for them to endorse you, that means that they really think that you would fit the criteria or the rigor of the program. So again, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that went to your dream school. Um, you know, if you can't find one, that is okay. 
Um, but one letter does have to be from an optometrist. So it would be benef highly beneficial to get um, a letter from an alum of your dream school. Now, we've gone over supporting documents. I want to discuss um, a little bit about your prereqs. So usually it's recommended that you apply when you have about 75% of your degree and prereqs already done. So that's why you usually apply the summer before you graduate, or if you're taking a gap year, you know, the summer before you take your OAT or what, what have you, um, because it's going to be really hard for them to gauge how well you're doing if you finish or completed less than 75% of the required coursework. So if they look at 75% of your work and, you know, you're having, you know, you're getting A's and B's, then, you know, they know you're going to be fine. You know, your last two semesters, you're going to be okay. Because they're not going to accept you when you haven't completed more than 50% of the requirements because that's a big gamble. You know, you have to remember that optometry schools, they cap their classes at a certain number. So they're not going to take the risk, um, for lack of a better word, to give you a seat if it's kind of a sink or swim situation. So if you finish 75% of your coursework, then it's somewhat clear to them what kind of a student you are, you know? Um, so this is why you need to try to be very strategic with your, um, with how you um, implement your prereqs in your schedule um, because by the time you apply, you really should only have maybe two or maybe three um, classes outstanding and that is it, right? Because also that's going to, again, help you on your OET, but we've already discussed that. So that is that. Um, and then any program-specific things, you will need to do your research on the program. I can't stress that enough. Um, if you're doing a uh, secondary application, even the primary, some schools will ask you program-specific questions like, what made you want to apply to this program specifically? Do you know anyone who graduated from here? Um, we value X, Y, and Z. Do you think that you can um, present those core values if chosen to um, attend our program? Things like that. So really important to research the schools, um, see what they stand behind, you know, their mission, what they really value. Do they value research, that they value clinical experience, didactic learning, all of that would be really good. And it will set you apart if you have done your research. Um, because once again, the next step from your primary and then after your secondary is literally, it's just an interview. Okay. So if you look good on paper, the only thing that they want to know is that, okay, you're a real person, you're personable, you can become a professional and we would be proud to call you a colleague, right? So doing your research, um, again, depending on the schools, not every school does that, but some do. So you need to do that. Now, lastly, I want to make sure I address this in this episode um, because I don't think I'm going to do a separate one for it, but secondary applications. So those are usually sent out after you submit your primary application um, and it's been verified. So 
let me go back to primary applications first. So I'm going to discuss finances. It, again, this might be different depending on when you're applying. I'm just speaking about my cycle. So in my cycle, the first school that um, you apply to is $180. And then every additional school um, that you add to that will be an additional $70, correct? Um, so again, choose wisely. I personally applied to eight schools, um, but people apply to as low as two schools or as many as 10. Um, so really gauge where you're at and start saving the money. You know, it's a very costly process, but it's all worth it. So after you've submitted your OptumCast, here's what to expect. So it takes roughly around like two to five business days um, to be verified. So basically what they do is that they take all the information that you've provided them, you know, your transcripts, your letters, um, your personal information, um, employment, all of that, and OptumCast um, verifies it. So basically if you're verified, that means everything that you've provided is accurate and is ready to go. Once it's verified, that's when it's actually sent to the schools. So not when the application is completed, but when it's verified. So after it's verified, you should expect to see emails from schools saying, hey, we've received your application. And that's usually the initial contact with the schools you apply to. Most schools send that. It's just a courtesy email. Now, the second email you should expect is an email with a link to a supplementary application. Now, not all schools have it and you may not get it from every school. So basically a supplementary application is the school way of telling you, hey, we saw your primary application and we think we might wanna know you a little bit further. You know, we want to know more about you before we make the decision of inviting you for an interview. So they usually send you that link. I recommend if you get the interview, I mean, the email about the secondary application, Try to finish it as soon as possible because that shows the school that you're on top of it and you really are adamant about, you know, getting an interview from that school. Now, if you are busy or things happen, that's okay. Just try to get it done as soon as possible. They're usually not very long. It's just very basic information. There might be um, one or two questions that will require you to write an essay or some paragraphs, um, but nothing too like extreme. Um, it's not as long as your personal statement, so don't worry about that. So after you've completed your secondary application, then you're put in the pool to be, um, you know, reviewed for an interview. Now, some schools do not have a secondary application, and they will let you know that. They will tell you, hey, we do not offer that, so your next step is automatically going to be an invitation to an interview or another email saying, hey, we regret to inform you that we're no longer going to consider your application. Now, this is all I have for this episode. I know it was a little bit long and kind of an overkill, um, but I hope this helps you with your application. And if you have any questions, again, you can DM me or email me, keeping it OD podcast. So this is all I have for this week. Make sure to follow the podcast Instagram at keepin.it.od. And if you have any questions or any suggestions, please DM or email me. I love to hear your opinions. 
And if you or someone that you know would like to collaborate with me on an episode, I would love to have you. Just email me at keepingitodpodcast at hotmail.com with collab in the subject line, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And I'm starting to interview faculty and admissions committees, so let me know what schools you'd like to see on the show, and I'll try my best to have them get here. I will see you right here next week with a brand new episode all about interviews. And as always, we will be keeping it OD. Thank you, guys.